Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Kubalup campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Folks, I want to share with you on, um, on caring, caring, and what does it mean to care for one another? And the passage uh, is Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12. Jesus speaking here, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. For which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I really believe that when Jesus gave us the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, before he ascended to the Father, he was saying, as you are learning from somebody, teach somebody else. And so that's what the Greek word disciple means, mathites. As you are learning from somebody else, teach somebody. And so... As someone is caring for you, your well-being, physically, spiritually, care for somebody else. And he gives us these amazing promises on, on how we can do that and be reassured that it will take place. I remember when I was back in Johannesburg, I was a producer of a a television Christian counseling program and we'd air this program and then my mobile number would appear at the end and whatever the topic was people could phone in and I would take their name and their number down and the area that they lived in all over South Africa and I would get somebody in that particular area that they lived in a Christian counselor who belonged to the Association of Christian Counselors of Southern Africa to go contact them and visit them. And many of those people who were hurting would be shocked that somebody would even care for them. Somebody would even care for them. I was in the shops on Friday and uh, was carrying stuff, and I'm a guy, and so I don't take a basket or a trolley, and so, you know, I can put stuff on my flat head and on my shoulders, and, and you know, I'll, I'll kind of, don't worry, I'm all good, and I was shocked when somebody said, hey, mate, can I help you? I'm going, huh? He's going to rob me. <laughs> Why do we want to help one another? Because that's not the thing. You know what? Each one to his own. Now, my understanding of that is that not only is it kind of your thoughts, you kind of mind your own business. But even in the way you live, each one to his own. Mind your own business. And so this particular passage on, uh, in, on the Sermon on the Mount is all about caring. 
caring for those around you, whether they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or not. Because God created us to care. God created us to care. And I'm so passionate about this, as Michael prayed, that on a Saturday night there are families that come to our evening service at 5.30 that are broken. And the one little chap, and I might have mentioned this before, he said, in the last two weeks, it's the nicest feed I've had in two weeks. While we're washing the dishes, while we're chatting, he, he, the service he doesn't fully understand, but he knows that there is good food. And then we're doing our best to give him sugar diabetes because we fill up his pockets with chocolates to take home. <laughs> Friends, imagine that coming here, and that's the nicest food the little kid is eating for the whole week. And it's a basic meal. It's delicious, but it's good. You know? And so you begin to think, God, thank you that we have so much. But God has created us to care for our families. And so tomorrow night we start a Bible study series uh, here at between 7 and 8.30. And it's all about Christian counseling skills. And so if you want to come, please, it's going to run for eight or ten weeks, and it's on counseling skills, on how to care for one another as men and women of God. Because it's something foreign nowadays. How do we care for each other as men and women of God? How do we pick up little simple signs that people need care? Come, it's free. You'll be getting notes as well. Here, the Sermon on the Mount Jesus gives the golden rule to love one another. To love one another. And he says, you'll see in a short while, he sums up this whole Old Testament, that whole section in do unto others as you want them to do unto you. So we have this question that comes up. Why should we care? Well, if anything, because God created us to be like that. So you ask the question, well, if we are to care about others, who's going to care about me? Well, friends, I really believe that what you sow, you will reap. And so my whole idea is not that, you know, if I care for others, who's going to care for me? And I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, because as you care for others, somebody will care for you. You put your faith and trust in him. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who doesn't want to be cared for? We all want care. We all want attention. We all want somebody to to recognize who we are as human beings. And we do crazy stuff to get recognized. And here in Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking about this. And he gives us that biblical motivation to care. Folks, this is quite profound what he says. And so, that first point, you begin to see his promises in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. And as you look at that passage, let me explain some of those words to you. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. That word ask is the word etite, which means crave, call for, ask, beg, Desire. I don't beg for anything. 
often the attitude. Well, when it comes to the spiritual things of God, or even my physical needs, Jesus says, beg, beg, and it will be given to you. Because as I beg him, I ask him, I know that perhaps I'm out of line with some of the things I'm asking for, or am I in line with what I'm asking for? And so I I would gladly come to the Lord Jesus and beg him if I really desire something. Ask, he says, and it will be given to you. Then he says, seek, zitite, seek in order to find. Not a boy's look, (laughs) but seek in order to find. So you can understand that there is something that you desperately want because you've asked for it, you crave it, you're begging for it, and seek in order to find it. It's got to do with meditating, seeking. Reason that you're doing this is to find. Ask, seek. Then he says, knock, knock. In other words, whatever it might be, it almost, as you're asking, as you're seeking, it almost takes action because you're going to knock. It's something almost tangible, is what he's saying. And so I really believe that these are the promises of God, if our heart is lined up with what he's saying. And so, that first point there, God's promises. We need to believe, and I'm not talking prosperity gospel here. It's not name it, frame it, claim it, nothing like that. Thank you, Kirsten. But as men and women of God, we are beneficiaries of the promises of God. Just as my son will be a beneficiary from his father. He benefits by virtue that we're related. If we're men and women of God, we are God's children, and we are beneficiaries of who he is. By virtue that he is our father. And so we read again. That we're adopted in the family of God. And so in 2 Peter 1.4, For by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. That word granted, for by these he has granted us, epangelimata, means he's presented to the, these things to us. He's bestowed them to us. Why? Because he is father and I am child. And that's what a normal, natural father does. He bestows good gifts. He grants good gifts to his children. Why? Because we are partakers of the divine nature. Never forget, when Michael was a little guy on his tricycle, we'd walk down to Willie's. He'd be a couple of meters ahead. Whoever he'd come to, there's my daddy, there's my mommy. We're related. Why? Because he is father and we are children. Spiritually, he is my father and no father wants anything bad for their child. So he's saying we are partakers. That word partakers, kinoni, where we get the word kinonia, community. We are sharers, we are participants, we are associates and partners of the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow. We are family. In the kingdom of God. So he says, listen, ask, seek, knock according to God's plan and God's purpose. And then there's a bit of a repeat here in case you didn't understand it. Because everybody who asks, 
receives. Everybody who seeks, finds. Everybody who knocks, the door is opened. And so as you do this, that's what will happen. Why? Because it's God's promises about the kingdom of God. And God will meet my every need. He has promised us his provision. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For as many as may be the promises of God, in him they are yes. In fact, some translations say they are yes and amen. And I would think there might be an exclamation mark at the end of that. So God has promised us his provision. But sometimes we ask, and it's a little bit amiss, God, I'm praying for a job. Well, friends, they stop falling out the sky. Maybe God gives us a bus ticket to get onto the bus and go and look for a job. Well, God, I'm praying for a car. Or maybe God gives us a bus ticket to go and get a job to earn some money to buy a car. And as we ask and beg him for what his plan and purpose is for our lives, as we seek in order to find. In other words, it's all about relationship, you see. It's about our relationship with him. And if our relationship is right, I believe we'll be men and women who care for each other. And can I say this? This is not a rebuke sermon. You know, saying it subtly, we don't care. This church cares. This church, if there's one church I've been to that cares, boy, it's this church. It's this church. Come on a Saturday night, you'll see how people care. Yesterday we had a wedding here. Wow. I'm proud to be the pastor of this church. Michael is proud to be the pastor of this church. This church served at a wedding yesterday. Wow. It was amazing. Food, the service, the sound. Boasting is a sin, so we should stop there. <laughs> Folk, we served, man. We served. And so what I'm saying here, as our relationship lines up with God, we're created to care and serve one another. What a privilege it is. In 1 John 3.22, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments. Now that's important. That word keep, the Roman, we guard his commandments. We prevent them from escaping our lives. We serve, we watch his commandments. Why are we doing these things? We want to obey God because we're in Christ. We, watch, we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. The word do, we execute. We benefit out of the deal. We fulfill his commandments. What a blessing that is. And we do what is pleasing. Aresta is that word there. What is agreeable, fit, and pleasing in his sight. As we abide by his commandments, we do what is pleasing in his sight. What a precious privilege we have. See, God knows what is good for us. And there are times where our prayers are not answered. Because we've asked amiss. Now that makes sense with James 4.3. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. I don't know about some of the prayers that you've prayed in your life. But I'm grateful that God has not answered all of my prayers. Because I would have been lost had he answered my prayers. Every single one of them that have been amiss. Matthew 6.33 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, as we abide by his commandments, he hears us. And God will not lead us where his grace cannot keep us. God's promises are real. Wow. Secondly, in Matthew 7 verses 9 to 11, it talks about God's love. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf or for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask him for a fish, will not give him a snake, will he? Or, you, or if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? And so you begin to see that Jesus is getting quite practical here. And he's saying no father will mock his son or child in a situation of hunger. Will he? And the answer is clearly no, exclamation mark. And he gives the illustration. Luke, I think, gives three. You know, the, the bread, the fish, and the egg. Here Matthew talks about uh, the uh, bread. And folk, it's not a loaf of bread that we have now, or half a loaf. It was like a bun, you know. And so Jesus is saying, if your son who is hungry asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? Now on the beach there, there were these limestones that looked like bread, like little buns. In other words, Jesus is saying, will your father mock you in your need, in your hunger? No, exclamation mark. In fact... Which son asks for fish, kind of one of the things they had around, would give him a snake. And that's related to Leviticus chapter 11, uh, that something that is unclean that will harm him like an eel. You weren't allowed to eat uh, an eel, according to the Old Testament Levitical law. And so he says, which son asks the father for a fish and gives the father gives him a snake. Will your father mock you in your time of need? He's saying, absolutely not. And then another one is added there. Which son asks for an egg? And the father gives him a scorpion. You see, a scorpion that's folded over that looks like an egg. No, there is no father who will do that. Why would our spiritual father do that if he loves us so much? He loves us so much. He's saying how much more, we who are evil, will our Father give us that which is good to those who ask Him. Now there's two words for good in the Greek. The one is, is kalos, where we get something that is aesthetically kali, beautiful, like calligraphy, good, beautiful writing. But the word that Jesus uses here is not kalos, but agathos. Agathos, which means something that is of benefit and good for us spiritually. So who will give the best our Father in heaven? That which is of deep benefit, good and well for our souls. That's the Father's love. That's God's love. That's the reality of God's love to his children. He will fulfill his promises and he will give us the love that is due to us. He will not give us a stone. He will not give us 
uh, a snake. He will not give us a scorpion. Why? Because that's not what the Father does. We who are not good news, if you like, we who are selfish as human beings, we who are egocentric, despite that, the Father loves us. And not only does he love us, his love is perfect. His love is perfect. And God's promises are yours and are mine because it's a Father's love. He demonstrated that by sending his son Jesus to the cross. Jesus demonstrated his love for you and for me by obediently going to the cross. And even more, by giving us his Holy Spirit to abide with us, to be with us, to guide us every moment of the day. That when I need guidance, I don't have to flip a coin and say, do I go this way or that way? I can look up in his word what he wants me to do because he guides me by his Holy Spirit. Now thirdly and in closing, we find the challenge that God gives us. And that's found in chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. Well, friends, this has got the Old and the New Testament in it. And he sums it all up. And what we call this is the golden rule. This here is the law. The first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the rest is where God spoke through his word. Through leaders and through prophets. And so he's saying, let me sum up this whole Old Testament for you with this golden rule. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Wow, what a challenge. What a challenge. The challenge is a real challenge. Because the challenge is not an easy one to treat others the way you want them to treat you. Oh, that's easy. It's not so easy. It's not so easy when I'm impatient, when I'm unkind, when I'm under pressure. It's not easy when it feels like the world is closing in on me. But he's saying, listen, treat others as you want yourself to be treated. Not when you're on the mountaintop, but even when you are in the valley. Treat others the way you want them to treat you. Because it's easy to treat others well when you're on the mountaintop. But when the lights go out, metaphorically, and you're in a dark place, if you like, how would you want to be treated? Because you know it's a matter of time that you will move off the mountaintop into the valley. That's the reality of life. We all know that. How will we be treating one another? So this golden rule, it equates all people and puts them in the same position that when you're up there, serve. But when you're down there and you don't have the energy and the power to serve and you would like to as much as you can, know that what you've done on the mountaintop will be done to you in the valley. You get what Jesus is saying? Ask, seek, knock. And you and I need to take care to order our lives in such a way that that golden rule remains a priority. And I believe that we are set free to care for one another because God longs to care for you 
and for me, the way a father cares for their children. And as we receive the promises of God as recipients of the Father's love, that frees us to serve. That sets us free. And I don't have to say, well, if I'm caring for others, uh, I wonder who's going to care for me. I know that my Father in heaven sees what I do and how I want to be treated. And so that liberates me to be able to serve those I come into contact with. And that should be the goal of every Christian. That final slide there, it's to become like Christ, you see. To become like Christ. And that's the challenge. Let me end off by reading your story. It's called Your Son Is Here. A nurse took the tired, anxious soldier to the bedside. Your son is here, she said to the old man. She had to repeat the words several times before the patient's eyes opened. Heavily sedated because of the pain of his heart attack, he dimly saw the young, uniformed soldier standing outside the oxygen tent. He reached out his hand. The soldier wrapped his toughened fingers around the old man's limp ones, squeezing a message of love and encouragement. The nurse brought a chair so that the soldier could sit beside the bed. All through the night, the young soldier sat there in the poorly lit ward, holding the old man's hand and offering him words of love and strength. Occasionally, the nurse suggested that the soldier move away and rest a while. He refused. Whenever the nurse came into the ward, the soldier was oblivious of her and of her night noises of the hospital, or of the night noises of the hospital, the clanking of the oxygen tank, the laughter of the night staff members exchanging uh, greetings, the cries and moans of the other patients. Now and then she heard him say a few gentle words. The dying man said nothing, only held tightly to his son all through the night. Along towards dawn, the old man died. The soldier released the now lifeless hand he had been holding and went to tell the nurse. While she did what she had to do, he waited. Finally, she returned. She started to offer words of sympathy, but the soldier interrupted her. Who was that man? he asked. The nurse was startled. He was your father, she answered. No, he wasn't, the soldier replied. I never saw him before in my life. Then why didn't you say something when I told you uh, of him? I knew right away there had been a mistake, but I also knew he needed his son, and his son just wasn't here. When I realized that he was too sick to tell whether or not I was his son, knowing how much he needed me, I stayed. Next time someone needs you, be there. Stay. Friends, we're not serving one another for brownie points or for anything else. Because God created us to serve one another. And God longs for us to add value to one another's lives. The word kindness, Christotis, one of the fruit of the Spirit, it means to deposit some gold in somebody else's life. May we leave this place depositing gold in other people's lives. For his honor for his glory.
Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've created us with a reason and a purpose. Lord, may we be found faithful in doing what you've called us to do. Lord, we want to acknowledge that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, we pray. Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see the people you bring into our lives so that we might serve and care for them. Thank you that you care for us, Lord. Reveal your plan and purpose for us. And thank you that we can call you Abba Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.